everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and, uh, you know, how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Coming up in today's podcast, my day in lockdown. What do I get up to? How escaping from Iran led to me meeting my late husband, Paul Daniels, and of course then working with him. What happened on my first royal variety show? But you can't wait to hear that. And what it was like doing Panto in Bradford at the time of the Yorkshire Ripper. And the star of the show, Bill Maynard, what he gave me as a last night gift. Working with the second generation dance group with Christopher and Abba. And Paul and I being guests of Prince Rainier in Monaco. That's what today's podcast is all about. Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. This is really funny because I've only ever done one podcast before and that was in a studio with everybody doing everything that needed to be done technically and it was with four other people. It was a podcast when I was doing Strictly Come Dancing. And so now this is quite, quite different because I, like most of you, are at home on my own. So my nephew gave me the idea to create a little sound booth on my dining room table made out of cushions from the sofa and a couple of blankets. So so you can imagine what I look like. I am sitting on a dining room chair with an extra cushion and sticking my head inside the sound booth. Anyway, I hope that you're all doing well and staying safe. My way of getting through it is to have a routine every day. And I've talked to loads of friends and they're finding the same. It's really easy for us all, isn't it, to stay in bed a bit longer, get up, just have your dressing gown on and dither around. So this time, the most important thing is that we stay safe. And as long as we're not worried about our families, if they are all staying well at the moment, then it's time to make the most of this stepping off the treadmill, you know, doing things you wouldn't normally get time to do. So I've got a list. I think the saying is as long as my arm, or my list I think is as long as my arms, legs and to the end of the garden. So I do have a routine of every day I get up, I get ready, um, put my makeup, do my hair, everything as if it was a normal day and I was going out to work and do my housework, which I've got little set routines of that up until a certain time, which is usually 10 o'clock. And then I say, right, now I start the job's of today and I've got a list that Monday's this, Tuesday's that, zones of the house, painting the shed, recording the podcast, all of that. So uh, I hope that's just a little hint and a tip for you of um, getting through the days and of course if you're at home with your kids as well it's really hard isn't it and this homeschooling isn't as easy as people think and uh, I think most people are looking forward to the kids going back to school but of course that's going to be in quite a while yet so people are always asking me 
what did I do before I worked with my late husband, Paul Daniels, how we met and how I ended up working with him. So to explain that, I suppose, I should start at the beginning. So uh, I was born in Surrey, had two very loving parents, Pat and Babs, and uh, my dad was Irish, so a great sense of humour, which is why I get the giggles so much. Um, Went to a local dancing school and then to the Royal Ballet School and then I went to Iran to a classical ballet company that was based in Tehran, the Iranian National Ballet, and they could get in all the top choreographers um, from around the world. I worked with some famous Russian uh, choreographers and coaches, and we had beautiful sets and costumes. But unfortunately, um, that came to an abrupt end and I had to get home because there was a revolution. So for, I can't remember, three or six weeks before I left, the European people in my company, which was about 20 of us, were all taken to an apartment where we couldn't go out. Very similar to now, actually. And the boys used to go out at like seven in the morning um, to get us what food that they could. And um, that taught me to have a routine. And we used to do a ballet bar every morning and then sort of be creative in the afternoons and sit around and come up with ideas and things like that. So then when I was leaving Iran, when I got to the airport, it was exactly the same as the movie Argo. In fact, if you've seen that movie with Ben Affleck, everything they went through is very similar to what I went through. And when I got to the airport, when I'd applied for my visa, they'd crossed out something. But when I got to the airport, they thought I'd done that. And so they locked me in a cupboard. And I flirted with the customs guy who literally stamped my passport and said, run, because the airport was closing. That that was the last flight to Europe and I was flying to Switzerland and that's how I got out of Iran. So that's how I ended up meeting my husband, Paul Daniels, because when I got back to England... All the ballet companies were full, but I trained as an all-round dancer doing jazz and things. And so I auditioned for the Delphont organisation that put shows on all over the country. And they put me in a show with Paul Daniels in Great Yarmouth for the summer for four and a half months. Now, I had no idea who Paul Daniels was. So when I got home that day, rang all my friends, you know, said to my parents, I've got a job, you know, great, great Yarmouth for the summer with this guy, Paul Daniels. What does he do? Is he a comedian or something? And they said, he's a magician. I went, oh, because I hated magic. The only thing I'd seen Paul doing when I actually met him in rehearsals was... Blankety Blank was a quiz show that uh, in those days Terry Wogan hosted and Paul had played a joke and he at one point when Terry said something Paul stood up on the chair opened his jacket he had a Superman t-shirt on and also red underpants over his trousers and so I burst out laughing and thought oh well it might not be so bad because he seems a really really funny guy and then when I met Paul it was about the fourth day of rehearsals because the dancers start first and I can remember it as clearly as if it was yesterday because we were rehearsing in a studio um, above or beneath a church in Shepherd's Bush and um I'm always early so I was sitting outside on the wall and Paul's always early so he came and the the studio wasn't open and nobody else had arrived so we actually had some banter before everyone else arrived and we just clicked Um, 
but I was much younger than Paul and so he all the time was keeping me at arm's length because he thought I was far too young for him because I was 20 years uh, younger than him. And so that show uh, was great fun in Great Yarmouth. And then um, I did a children's royal variety show with him, which was the first time I'd ever gone in an actual illusion and been not sawn in half for this one, but I was split into three pieces. It was a the children's royal variety show, and it was the very first one of those, I think. And I can remember I actually got stage fright and I couldn't move. And um, Paul was pretending to put me in a trance or something, but actually he was just saying, relax, relax, you know, and then you'll be fine. And of course I was, and uh, it was okay. And then after that, I did Panto in Bradford uh, with a guy called Bill Maynard, who you may remember, he had various TV shows. And it was at the time of the Yorkshire Ripper. And it was really weird. And I was sharing a flat with three other girls, because after six clock at night the streets were empty people just didn't go out um so not again dissimilar to what's going on now and I always remember on the last night Bill Maynard said to me oh I've got a gift for you I haven't bought anybody else anything he said so go in my dressing room in the interval and I've left it on the the dressing table there so oh I was thinking I wonder what he's bought me as a last night present so I went in and what he'd left me was his thumb he had a program where his catchphrase was magic R Morris and you could um, put this sticker with a big cardboard thumb on the back of your car and it moved with thumbs up and it was the last one of his merchandise and it hadn't been sold (laughs) I don't know why I thought it was funny but I did but um, that's what he gave me Um, and then um, I I have, you know, around that time, I I didn't do Paul's TV shows. He had a couple of years before I joined it. And uh, so I worked with a dance group called The Second Generation. And we used to back um, people like I worked with Grace Kennedy, who was a lovely uh, singer who had her own TV show in those days. ABBA, I worked with ABBA touring, did some live shows and some TV um, in Europe. Uh, Christopher, you know, the lady in red. And the lovely thing was, 20, 25 years later, Paul and Christopher did a duet together for a Christmas charity show at the Royal Albert Hall. It's on every Christmas and it's usually recorded. And um, I hadn't seen him since I worked with him as a dancer. And when I was a dancer, I had long, dark hair in those days. Um, But I went backstage after the show and, uh, you know, was able to remind him that uh, I was one of his little dancers. Um, when he Actually, in those days, when I backed Christopher in Europe, um, it was live concerts and things. He wasn't famous in England, but he had number one hits in Europe. And uh, I can remember one thing I did with the second generation was the Lord Mayor's Parade. And we'd been working in Europe doing something, and we got back at two o'clock in the morning. And the start of the Lord Mayor's Parade, we had to be there to get in costume for it at like seven in the morning. And we were um, advertising Lucas batteries and all the girls were just dressed as cheerleaders and the boys were all inside batteries, you know, that they could hardly walk and things. So the boys definitely got the short straw, but it was really, really great fun to do. 
So I thought uh, that's probably enough of my life because uh, I'll tell you more about uh, what I did before I worked with Paul in my next podcast and how I got the TV show, uh, you know, starting with him at Great Yarmouth. Uh, then I went to Bournemouth with him and it was from that that I got the TV show. But I'll tell you all about that on my next uh, podcast. Um, I thought I'd tell you a story of um, some of the shows we've done around the world and working with royalty not just English royalty we'd be invited like one time we got invited by Prince Rainier of Monaco um, who was married to the lovely Grace Kelly of course and um, he loved magic and we found out that when our magic shows went out on TV that they were then um, recorded in England and a video would go by private jet to the palace in Monte Carlo for Prince Rainey and his family to watch every week and he used to have a magic festival every other year so we got invited as his guests and we didn't have to perform and this was just an amazing thing to go to because we would stay at the Lowe's Hotel and anyone that's ever been to Monte Carlo knows it's one of the the best hotels in Monte Carlo and I can remember that when we went we arrived at the hotel and there was a casino as there is in Monte Carlo and we had to go to dinner with the prince later on that evening but we had some free time So Paul and I went down to the casino and we got chatting to uh, the security guards uh, at the door of the casino and Paul did a pickpocket thing and took the watch of one of the security guards who then afterwards, I mean, they loved it and laughed and they did know who we were, Um, but afterwards they wouldn't let us in the casino (laughs) because they thought Paul would cheat. So it was really funny. But then we went for dinner with um, Prince Rainier and also his children were there who were grown up by then. And um, I can remember the first night, it was a great big, big solid oak table with almost like thrones, the chairs, very heavy. And as we walked towards the table and we were shown where we were going to sit, I was thinking, I'm never going to be able to pull that chair out because it's so heavy. And Paul was sitting over the other side of the table to me. Uh, But then the next thing, Prince Rainier came along and he was sitting next to me and he pulled the chair out for me and he was the perfect gentleman. And before we'd gone to sit down, we had been given a briefing of how to, you know, behave with Prince Rainier and the rest of the royal family. And one of the things they said to me was that um, Prince Rainier gets bored quite quickly. So please don't be offended if, you know, he talks to you for a little while, but then talks to other people. And obviously he has to network um, and make all his guests feel welcome, which I totally understood. But that made me a bit on edge. But actually, when I sat down, he was so charming and lovely, very charismatic, you know, immediately offered me the canapes and things and um, asked me lots of questions. So it was so easy to talk to him. And um, we got talking about Iran and um, he knew lots of things about the Ayatollah. And he was really interested to hear what my thoughts were, having lived there through the revolution and things like that. So absolutely fascinating. And also my late husband, Paul, um spoke French and he was 
sitting opposite us and talking to Prince Renier in French. And then Prince Renier turned to me and said, oh, your husband's French is very good. Where did he learn? And I said, oh, he taught himself in a week. And Prince Renier looked at me as if I'd gone crazy. And I said, oh, because he has a memory system. Um, you know, he's learned various ones for magic. So he just applied it to learning languages. So I think I've probably chatted enough to you for today. Um, but that's the sort of thing I'll be telling. Stories of what's gone on in my life. Um, I hope you're keeping motivated through this lockdown. Well, of course, as you know, I'm now going to be doing a podcast every week. Um, I'm also doing loads of gardening. I've got a big garden and every day I thank my lucky stars that I have. But I know for those of you like me that are on your own, you're probably like me. I'm talking to myself for half the day. I'm sure sure I've never done that before and I know it's meant to be the first sign of madness well I don't think I needed to talk to myself to know that but uh, love the fact we've got technology that most of us can talk to family on Skype or FaceTime and things and I'm doing lots of that so stay safe everybody until next time I've loved chatting to you on Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee you know you want to